um, call the meeting to order. Could you please take the roll? Trustee Zorthian? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Chairman? Yes. No. Trustee DeVries? Here. Trustee Hernandez? Here. Trustee Jensen? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum. Okay, we will now um, go into closed session. Yes, for consideration of the uh, medical staff credentialing reports, assuming the health and safety code, and then uh, also a couple of items that fall under government code section 54956.9. So. Thank you, and um, we'll let you know when we're finished. Are we almost ready? <laughs> okay. Calling ourselves back into open session. Um, let's see. The first thing that we have on the agenda is approval of the minutes. I move approval. Second. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Anyone opposed? No. Okay, the minutes are approved, and now we have policies. I, I think um, I just, maybe we want to leave the quality and safety performance and the risk management out of the initial approval, and then we can talk about them a little bit separately. The last two? Yeah. 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 Um, and I did want to point out that some of these policies are system-wide policies, which is great. 
Some of them are specifically spelled out to be hospital specific. Um, so I'm wondering if we, if the way that they look under this particular heading is a little misleading now that we don't have just core policies, just Alameda, just Alameda. Um, I don't know. Maybe we want to figure that out a little bit for the next meeting. But um, I'm, I'm pleased that the policies are now coming through some of them that are totally system-wide. The clinical practice council, which is under the shared government, um, Please use the microphone. The, the, um, the Clinical Practice Council. I think it's on. It's on. The Clinical Practice Council, which is um, part of the shared governance in our quest for Magnet, actually is the council responsible for now making sure that the policies, when they're created, are based on best practices, mm -hmm. and when it's applicable, we're making them system-wide. The, the committee consists of uh, nurses, um, physicians, and also other disciplines like pharmacy, lab. Um, so we have many, many people in that committee. And our goal is we have about 7,000 policies on policy tech, 7,000. So the attempt of this clinical practice council is to archive what we don't need, and to standardize care where it's applicable using best practices. So that's why you will see some policies will say system-wide and others won't. For example, maternal and child will be specific to Highland, and others are not. Good. Okay, so for the first seven bullets. Um, I move with approval of the first seven bullets. Actually, they're divided with, according to this, the policies, and then the last two are plans. So right. right. I could just say I'll move approval of the policies and um, and defer the plan the quality safety performance and improvement annual plan FY twenty seventeen and the risk management and patient safety plan to um, a future meeting. Yeah. Well no we we'll talk about them today but I just don't okay. want to approve them. Um, do I have From a second? The, yeah okay. Second. Okay. Good. Do that. I do have a question, uh, and I know this has gone through all the all the committees and everybody else. But I, I the preparation, the delivery, and patient nourishment and oral pump. It was very specific about the delivery of time. I mean, I can't remember, but it was like two o'clock and four o'clock, and and I'm just trying to understand how how that can possibly be implemented, because it doesn't say approximately or around that time. So how, it, it seems to me that you, you're violating the policy just going. The I mean, nutrition, yeah. Um, you're, you're violating the policy every day. So why would you put a policy in place that you know can't be done? That's a good question. We'll have to, on that to back to, uh, the nutrition um, team. Well, it's got to all, and it's the got other every, is, every review, so I right. feel stupid when I ask these no, questions actually, because everybody a, it's else a good, It's a good question. We're I also, do, ma'am. Uh, or, or you know, my other question is how many of us have been with a person in the hospital? Right. They're sound asleep and people come in with the food and right. they just leave it there and it's going to be cold. And yeah. I don't get that stuff. That, that, that <laughs> drives me crazy. It also complicates it when the patients actually order their own food as well. So my dining, if I have certain diagnosis, now we're working on how to make sure that the patients that are diabetic, when they order, that the food is arriving before we give them the insulin. So, um, but this particular question makes makes sense. So we'll we'll take actually take that back. It makes sense because you're right. I think it's their attempt. Their attempt is to deliver at those times. Yeah, and, and I, but there I are times they the won't hit it. But this says flat at two o'clock. At two o'clock at this time, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, well, that's just not a yeah. And I, I mean, we shouldn't be violating seven hundred, seven thousand. Yeah, thousand. Uh, the policies. Yeah, seven, uh, I suspect 7, every day. Thousand. Yeah, every day a policy is being violated. So just. Well, and, and I'm, I'm making a further comment, which is more about if we're being patient-centered. Yes. My question would be, can we just have the lens of uh, 
looking at something like this as a good example of ways in which we can take a step back and say, what if the patient orders the food? Right. Can we get it to them within an hour? Yeah. Can we get them what they're asking for within a reasonable time frame? This sounds like it's a mechanical process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So let me just ask if, if um, there's any urgency about this. Sometimes you need these policies because right. Joint Commission is showing up next week or something. But do you, would it be all right to pull this one for the and uh, bring it back next month? Yes. Yes, we can do that. Everybody comfortable with that? Yes. And then maybe they could, Lawrence could come and talk to us or one of the dietitians. Yeah, one of the dietitians. We'll invite one of the dietitians. Yes. That'd be great. Okay. All right. So, having pulled that one out of the packet, all those in favor of approving the other policies? Aye. 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 Anyone opposed? No. Okay. So those are now. Can we go to the quality and safety and performance improvement annual plan? Does anyone have any questions specifically about that? Do you want to make any observations about it? I think yeah. the plan was supposed to come here in July of 2016 and didn't come here, so the plan is now brought forward. And you will also get the plan again in June 2000 and, yeah, for the 2018 fiscal year. Yeah. Right. But we will be happy to answer any other questions you may have. There's very minor language changes from the previous plan, annual plan. Comments? Anybody want to mention anything? Do you want to review it quickly? Yeah, sure. So, um, in the the first section, the purpose and system characteristics, I think, is self-explanatory. We did make a, a brief change in the system structure, um, <coughs> where, um, where where some of our um, licensed entities actually um, just when this went through MEC, we need to take out the word licensed, so that's going to be removed from the copy that I think that you have. Um, and then moving on, when you go down to the structure and process, because of um, we had some structural changes with um, Del Vecchio and the new CEO, so the language was, was uh, tweaked a little bit. And we aligned it more with how the language was written in the, um, the bylaws and the rules and regs, which previously it really didn't align up. So um, that was some of the changes there. And then, um, so all the way through um, to the process. Process really didn't change that much. And methodology, I think, was pretty pretty mm -hmm. similar. So I think that was it. It was mostly in that structure um, section. And I think the medical staff made um, a, oh, minor, a minor change. Well, number six. Yeah. In the middle where it says recommendations, they ask us to um, add all medical, staff. all medical staff. So that so with your approval, that would be something we would add to. So it reads, um, these committees provide a venue for integration and solicitation of recommendations from all medical staff, consensus building and decision making between medical staff and other personnel. We wanted to be clear that, that this, this is a system policy, and so that was language that would imply and infer very clearly that it's all medical staffs that are going to get input. And it, it has been approved by all the medical it staff. It has. It has. Um, yes. th and that, did you say that was paragraph six? Um, yeah, number six under the um, three, structure and process section. Um, and yeah, and at the end of that paragraph, it says the Quality, Safety, and Performance Improvement Committee. What is that? That's the... Um, that's what... That's the QSC, quality, our Quality Council. Quality Council, yeah. okay, because it's not exactly called that. So I just didn't know if we... We, when we meant. put it on the agenda, we've dropped the performance improvement part. We don't drop that topic, of course, but, but exactly. quality safety okay. council. Yes. Okay. Could you could you give me an overall overall view of the purpose of the plan? I, I'm sorry, that's such a naive question, yeah. but so um, many of the regulatory bodies, CMS, Joint Commission, um, uh, have language in their standards that says you should show an overall plan 
and your governing body can decide how often that plan is created, and we, our governing body has said at least annually, to show the, the quality improvement activities um, and to include these elements that we've included, the structure and the process, the methodology, you know, why are you, why are you even coming up with this plan? So our purpose and our, um, you know, uh, mission and values and, and how it relates to our mission and values um, and some information about what you want to look for. What are, you, what are you monitoring? What's important to our organization different perhaps from another organization? Okay. I, I, yeah, I, okay. I guess you, I mean, if you have to meet the requirements. I didn't see anything in here that talked about population health, which I well, thought we had. The rest of it. The rest this of it? This stuff. That's, that's there is the, the specifics. Okay. All right. I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. good. I'm good. <laughs> That's just all the intro part. Okay. All right, I'm good. Okay. But, but I'm going <laughs> to say this about the population health thing. So it's great that we are in agreement about what we think the plan should be, but at what point does this go before any community advisory group? Because one, one of the hardest things for us to do is to be responsive to what the community perceives as something you know, that, that would be um, relatable for them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this, I understand the metrics we need to manage because we're always going to be assessed by different governing entities, uh, understood. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we can get so deeply into that and, and not notice what, what are our patients saying as they come into this environment. Um, where do they get a voice in some of these items so that we're reflecting what their concerns are? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. We don't. We don't have. We don't have a community advisory. We don't. Advisor. Have any. We, we, we don't. actually no. do. Well, we do well, have one, but I think well, we're we also awaiting the population health. You know, the chief, whoever yeah. is, who's going to <coughs> probably be informing a lot of that. So I'm guessing that we the do. one that the you bring to us in June of 2018 yeah. Well, yeah. will be enhanced in some way with right. it. We have some small patient advisory councils mm -hmm. that are related to the primary care mm -hmm. clinic that meet. We have a MEAN, Spanish-speaking and English-speaking group yeah. that then together sometimes once a quarter. Um, and there's the other one that I think when Kim was here, there was a patient The patient family advisory council. It doesn't meet uh, frequently either. So maybe... Any uh, specific to highlight. Did you include that but in actually the Actually, it's plan. great. Yeah. Yeah. Since you guys are coming back with another one of yeah. these in about three months, maybe yeah. we'll ask you to have a little bit more developed the, yeah. part yeah. of that. Yeah. Yes. This is a very important point, uh, yeah, to have some kind of community partnership with this. And uh, actually, uh, yesterday I was... In the county, I met with a team of uh, Dr. Mantu uh, oh, from public, from public health, health, yeah, and, and looking at their activities in terms of community outreach. I was there with uh, uh, Mini, uh, Mini Swift and Ishwari to just mm -hmm. look into this. I think, mm -hmm. as you said, with the population health uh, management, we are going to start to look into those activities. Basically, you know, from the concept of uh, having more outreach to our patients before they become patients, so our right. community, right. Exactly. in order to intervene, you know, in, in determinants of, of health. So um, we look at it at that point. If I may, I, mm -hmm. I would just suggest that at some point in this plan yeah. that we take into account the need to have that kind of interaction with our community. Mm -hmm. It may not be a formal council. Right. It may be open forums, you know, periodically or so. I just think we can get very myopic and only look at the system from our point of view mm -hmm. and not see it from the angle of the person that comes regularly or has family that's you know coming regularly or what have you. We need to understand how they see us too. So that, that would just be one somewhere in here, okay. somewhere yeah. to Good include point. that. Okay. okay. Any questions about the risk management of patient safety plan? I move approval. Of the last two bullets, then. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I second. All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 
<coughs> so those two are approved, those two plans, and um, we can move on to our report for the application for trauma one status, level one status, and this is Dr. Greg Victorino. <coughs> Hi. Um, you may know that we're up for our site survey from the American College of Surgeons in two weeks. Uh, this is a really big deal for us. We're all really excited. We've been working really hard. And so we wanted to give the board a, a little bit of background how we got to where we are. Um, the state of California um, gives the local EMS agencies the power to designate which hospitals will be their trauma center. So we've been designated a level two trauma center for several decades now. Um, around 2010 or so, the uh, EMS agency um, had a mandate that says you guys need to be able to prove that the quality of the trauma care you guys are providing is top-notch. So we used to do it for each other. So I used to go to Eden and they would go to John Muir and John Muir would come here, but EMS said, well, you guys aren't being too hard on each other, so let's get an outside reviewer. We got a guy from San Diego come up, but even he was a little soft on us. So they said, okay, we're going with American College of Surgeons. So in 2013, we had a consultative visit, and um, the site service came in and kind of said, okay, this is what you need to do to be a level two center. Can I, but, can I ask you? Sure. Whose criteria are we working? Is this a national designation for level or California? Or? So EMS can pick, based on their own criteria, who they want to be. And is EMS California? EMS County. So the Alameda County EMS. So San Francisco EMS decides who will be their trauma centers in San Francisco County. So every different county gets to decide. But, but, but then who's, who creates the criteria for the levels? So um, that is based from the state to the local agencies. They get to decide. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing because the American College of Surgeons criteria, that's what I meant. That's a national, international criteria. Okay. Um, so at that 2013 site survey, there was a lot of discussion whether we should go level one at that time or not. And one of the reviewers said, yes, you guys have it all. You guys provide that care. You should go for it. And the lead surveyor kind of said, well, they're not even a level two ACS verified center. Why don't we have them do that and see how it goes? So we got that verification in 2014. And then last year, we brought them out again in another consultative visit to say, hey, do you think we have what it takes to be a level one center? And they said, sure, but all these things need to be done. And so that's what's on this page here. Last spring, they identified about 19 deficiencies for us to work on during this past year to fix in order to be uh, to get level one status. So we are going for this American College of Surgeons level one status. It's, you know, the best of the best. It would put us on an equal playing ground at Stanford University, at San Francisco General. We will provide the same care, same quality of care, uh, same uh, acuteness of uh, care that we provide as those other um, better known um, trauma centers. Can I clarify yes. to the board? Uh, the trauma throughout, uh, you know, the nation ha has been like a subject for like quality and performance improvement. They reached a situation where the states was unable to really uh, standardize this throughout the nation. So they outsourced this to the American College of Surgeons. The American College of Surgeons came up with a, sort of a playbook of requirement to ensure that every single step from the time an injured enters to the emergency room to the time they are discharged is measured and processed and processed improved. So they came up with the first publication and second, we are on the second or third publications. I think it's the third publication. Oh, yes. The orange book is the third yeah, publication. Yeah, third going on fourth. Yeah, so, so this is the third publication where they uh, uh, visit and give a recommendation to the state to give the status. So that's what the ACS is about. Now, it's like an open book exam, sort of. You have to improve your processes, but you have also to institute performance improvement processes that are ongoing. 
and you are able to measure and meet and measure and improve. So this is really like the bottom line of the process. And once you get the certification from the states, that's what it is about. The difference between level one and level two has to do with uh, research, not really with the clinical delivery as much, but with the research activity that the institution is doing. Yeah, they really give a couple examples of, in each of those categories, the deficiencies, weaknesses, recommendations? I mean, just a couple. I'm they're, sure he's going. Yeah, it's, oh, I'm sorry. Only, it's, it's in the packet, it's but most of these deficiencies are from the Program Improvement Patient Safety Program, our PIPS program. So um, we see about 2,500 trauma <coughs> patients a year. And the college approach is, is that there's an opportunity for improvement in each and every single one of it. And it's our responsibility to find that opportunity and then to set an action plan into play and then measure that, to make sure we're doing that and making sure whatever action plan we put into play is actually working. And so you can imagine the amount of work, not just for one, but for 2,500 of those each and every year. So that's, most of those deficiencies come from that. But there are other things, um, Last year that we got dinged for, for instance, uh, we couldn't get everyone to get all their CME credits together, but we have all those now. You know, those type of things. So I, I think it boils down to maybe five or seven um, deficiencies that I'm really concerned at, that I, I, I'm concerned that we're at risk for not, you know, passing this, you know, two-day visit. Are those um, the ones in red? Yes, those are the ones in red in your packet. Those are the ones I'm most concerned about. Um, but in all of those, you know, we listed all of these, and we have um, an action plan for each and every one of those. It's just a matter of, is it going to be good enough for the surveyors? And a lot of that is, you know, very objective. Mm -hmm. You know, we're definitely improved on all of those things. Could you just mention briefly um, uh, what is the characteristic of the majority of those 2,500? Is it a car accident? Is it gunshot wound? What would you say would be the most? We see about here, we see 70% of our injured patients are blunt. So that's car accidents, falls, okay. bicycle accidents. The rest is 30% is um, penetrating trauma, gunshot wounds, stab wounds, etc. Okay. That percentage is probably one of the higher percentage of penetrating trauma in the nation. I mean, even if you look at places at USC, they run in the mid-20s, and their actually penetrating trauma rate is going down. That's because of all the high crime in Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Oakland has reduced our number of gunshots <laughs> dramatically in the it's last... It's true. Over the last, uh, the last time I took a look at this uh, maybe nine months ago, over the past three years, our penetrating uh, trauma rate has decreased about 19%, which is incredible. It says a lot about Oakland and all the processes we're putting into play in our injury prevention. But where our numbers totally have stayed the same and we're making up for that by elderly patients who fall. And this demographic is true across the nation. It's the number one uh, demographic increase we're seeing in trauma centers across the nation. And Interestingly, in some of your deficiencies, there was not enough geriatric training. And Correct. And they noticed that as a weakness. We only have one geriatrician here, and we're working to bring on more mm -hmm. uh, to help with that increase of that patient population that we're seeing. I just learned also that um, the increase in fatalities for car accidents has gone way up in the last two years. I'm on the board of AAA, and we got a safety okay. uh, report. And yeah. it's a lot. A lot of it is believed to be due to distraction. So I'm assuming some Absolutely. of your 75 percent of the blunt trauma from car accidents you're seeing people doing this. Unfortunately, yeah. And also because of the complexity of the cars, that's the other factor that we're now hearing about too. Right. I'm supposed to be making us safe those cars. They should be. But um, I always tell people if you're in a car crash, you should come here. I always say that because of the history that we've had with this, correct? So, so we're not at risk of losing our level two at all. We're, we're only trying now to get a higher ranking, but we're not at risk for losing the current. So we're, I, I don't believe we're, this is a good question, and I'm not quite sure exactly what the answers are, but I do not believe we're at risk for losing our designation. 
that comes from EMS. So EMS is not going to say, well, you didn't do well in this site survey. We're yanking your, your yeah. trauma designation because where else would they go? Right? We are set up to take care of these patients, and there's no other hospital in this area that can do the things we do. Um, I think when, when I say at risk, so if there's a level one deficiency, and that's their highest deficiency, and in the past three times they've been here, we really haven't had one. If you have one of those, you don't pass. We haven't had one, so I don't think that's going to be our issue. Uh, the issues are all the deficiencies they mentioned. And you can have up to three deficiencies, four or more. They can come back in six or 12 months and do a focused site survey. So they'll give you provisional um, uh, verification as long as they come back in six or 12 months and they, you fix whatever they say you need to fix. So I think that's in the ballpark where we may be. You and I spoke yesterday, and you were saying that part of the problem with those area, the red areas, is you just there's not enough time between a year ago and now to actually fix those. Now that seems like a long time, but some of it has to do with adequate staffing and. Right. So they were here last May. We didn't get their official report to sometime in the summer, so we already lost a couple of months. And then if some of the issues they had is you don't have enough staff to do the PIPs program. Well, then we have to, you know, get the okay to get that FDE. Then we have to recruit, and we have to get that, you know, person into place. So some of the things that they wanted us to do, it, it takes more time than, you know, right. we had since they were last year. What about a helipad? <coughs> yeah, yeah I've heard about that, too. <laughs> yeah, the, the helipad has been an issue, and, um, you know, when we built the K building, from what I'm told, they're actually engineered to build a helipad on top of it. But then when the community was asked, they didn't want it. They didn't want helicopters flying in here at all hours of the day and night, and so that got shot down. The, the concern they have about the helipad, not necessarily, is bringing patients in. It's getting critical patients that we can't provide the correct services to out. So, for instance, if you um, rip your thoracic aorta, that big blood vessel in your chest, we don't have the capability to stent that, to repair that here. We have to send it to Stanford. Mm -hmm. You can imagine in a Friday afternoon rush hour, it's going to take you maybe two hours to get down there. And that was their concern. So we set up a program that we're going to grand transport them to Oakland Airport. Then they'll get a helicopter there and take them to the helipad at Stanford. So we had to put in things like that to help with their concerns. Mm -hmm. Is there anything this body or the board as as trustees can do to help assist you in this endeavor? Um, for the site survey coming up, probably not. Um, I think um, most of that is already done. But moving forward, I can just give you examples at San Francisco General. Um, there, you know, they do a little bit more volume than we do, but they don't do a whole lot more. They are funded so much more than we are. They have 16 nurse practitioners, trauma nurse practitioners, dedicated to trauma service, and we have three. And they're definitely not doing five times the volume we are. They're not even doing twice the volume we are. But they have that much more support than our trauma service. And our trauma patients are kind of sicker. Right. We have the highest injury severity scores of uh, any teaching facility. We, we are we are cognizant of these requests, and we are, you know, strategizing towards building. Well, you know, I, I think that those yeah. things are good to bring to the board's attention, and yeah. we can, you know, as as we yeah. start looking at budgets and that That's kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, because I do think that the reputation of, of the system really rests a lot on the trauma. I mean, it's it's a national. It's nationally recognized, and it would be nice to continue the momentum in that area so that we, in fact, can build it to the level that you, you aspire to. I absolutely think you're right. And, you know, if you talk to people nationally, they already think we're a level one trauma center. Mm -hmm. and so when I, I tell right. them we're going for a level one, they go, what? I thought you already were. And so we already have that reputation yeah. nationally. Does that help, um, Kinsey, is there any... Any relationship between the trauma center, just any trauma center status and the magnet? Um, the, uh, the designation? Well, the <clears throat> what magnet does is it elevates the nurses' um, 
professional and clinical practice to meet those kind of demands. So yes. that would improve our... So it our improves the nursing care quality and the nursing care delivery. Yes, absolutely. The thing about being a trauma center, it elevates everyone's, every yeah. division's level of care is increased. Pathology, mm -hmm. radiology, mm -hmm. you know, everyone is accountable to a higher level of quality because mm -hmm. of the trauma center. The playbook of the of the PIPs, like performance improvement for trauma, is really a great way of quality and performance improvement. It's it's really a great way because it goes from trauma prevention to rehabilitation going to function. Mm -hmm. And it has within it also behavioral health issues and all the issues. But uh, like part of what they do is trauma prevention. We want to study every trauma and see how we can affect like public policy in order to prevent people from being injured, whether it is uh, like gun control to, uh, to uh, uh, policy for, for highways. So all of these really are, are really connected. We, you know, uh, whenever we get an injured person, we have to understand, you know, after we resuscitate and save the person, how we can prevent this injury to happen outside the walls of the hospital. So that's, that's really to what extent. You know, until this very moment, I really never made in my own mind the connection between the trauma centers and the political work that, that I'm often involved in. And um, so... I, I thank you for that comment. I just, yeah, yeah I, I never use statistics of the local trauma centers to help further the issues around gun control or public safety or, you know, police on the street or whatever it happens to be. So that, that's a real eye-opener for me. Thank you. I, I mean, children, children falling from windows, you know, yes. affect public policies. Uh, accidents happening in frequent areas of the highway, we have to affect public policies. Mm -hmm. We have to really uh, build basketball courts instead of having empty lots where people can do yes. guns. Right. So, exactly. I, you know, I think that the, the relationship to uh, population health, uh, especially the senior injury prevention needs, mm -hmm. and I know that the county, uh, I mean, I know from... Nate's work that, you know, the, the concept of promoting sen senior injury prevention is important. It, it's really interesting to hear that that's on the rise and, yes. um, and that gunshot wounds are on the decline, which I, which I know about from my other work, which is exciting. But um, it would be great uh, to have... From the team to the ER, we have a level two trauma, DPA <laughs> six minutes. Trauma team to the ER, level two, yeah. <laughs> six minutes. And soon we'll have a level one trauma. Uh, but uh, so I was going to say, it'd be great to have uh, a, have you come back and, and give us some some trauma data and how it can inform population health and, and other policies. I'd be that, happy to. Yeah, I, I think, and, and that's somewhere where this board could actually do a lot of good yes, in, in sharing that message with the board of supervisors and also um, uh, yeah, during during budget time, uh, mm -hmm. just to, just to see how resources are allocated. Do you know when? You will find out um, after they come how quickly you'll know. So they give us an inkling of their feelings um, the day they leave. So we'll have an exit interview. But they always preface that saying, but this has to go through the full verification you know, review committee before we can actually tell you. And that takes a couple months. But um, what they tell us that day is pretty much what's going to happen because they're the people on the street and they're going to report back to national. Gassan's comment about kids falling out of windows. Do you do children as well? Do you get kids here? We, we do get children here occasionally. Um, there was a two-year-old who was shot a couple of months ago. Right, I remember. Right, who we had to stabilize here, and then we took over to children's and for them to do the definitive care. You know, EMS doesn't, uh, doesn't bring the applications here under the age of 14. Um, 14 and less. 14 and less. Well, is children's... A Yes. Okay. And they have a helipad. Yeah. Okay. I know that they just went through a tough neighborhood process to get approval for it. But they got it because I know the hearing officer. So maybe you guys might want to try to get that helipad again. Just an interesting side note. I, I built that helipad. Really? When I was a children. That was my project. No that, that child was wow. shot four bullets through and through Happy in the lap of her mother. 
she was stabilized, she survived, she went home, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Amazing, amazing job. Yeah. Wow. If I might say that the trauma department the trauma team is probably the best example here of 24-7 about hospitals becoming state-of-the-art where we have specialists who are here overnight ready to do whatever needs to be done. There are plenty of specialists who still plan out to go home and have to be called back. Trauma and emergency medicine one of the few specialists who are here 24-7. Yeah, that's one of the big criteria um, that the level two centers don't have to meet, that the level ones do. There's two major criteria that trips level two centers up from obtaining level one status. And one is in-house trauma surgeons. And we've been doing that for almost 15 years now. Even as a level two, we said, this is what we have to do to provide the best care. Let's just do it. Um, the other one is the research piece. And they require 20 peer review um, uh, articles in the past three years. And we have 31. So, so we passed those major hurdles. Okay, that's great. Anything else you would? Good luck. Just good luck. Good luck. Two weeks. Yeah, good luck. I'll let you guys know. Yeah, please. Thank you. Madam um, Chair, I have a point of order. I'd like to suggest that we um, defer the my first suggestion that we defer the quality, safety, and performance improvement plan and the risk management and patient safety plan to another meeting because they were pretty. I, I'd like to hear a lot more about those two items, those two things that were on the consent calendar that we pulled. No, but we actually no, just, Oh, I thought we just moved the, um, the, the nutrition one. We moved all three? Yeah. Okay. And Thanks. then we approved them afterwards. Oh, okay. okay. But we'll be happy to put them back on the agenda for more discussion if you want. And That's they, okay. I'll just write, if I have any questions, I'll just. Um, and they will be back with the, the, the next fiscal year's plan. In June. In June. So okay. we had so that opportunity. Yeah, in a couple of months we'll be back. Um, so we have a couple more things on the agenda. Um, one is the plan for this committee moving forward, which did you all get a copy of something um, that looks yeah, like yes. that? Yeah. Um, we made mine the same, so we passed them. This one. 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 This from Kinsey this morning. So this, this, this morning one? at the beginning. Thank you, sir. Oh, you want to do a new one? I think it was in, yeah, that one. Oh, I see. That one was in the original the packet. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, here. Yeah, this is a new one. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, wait. Oh, there are, these are. Are there two pages? Like, are there two pages? Oh, yeah. Here's one more. Here's another one. So more. let me just say, I think you remember we Thank talked you. about this a preliminary version of this last time, and Maria suggested that we rearrange it and put the dates on the side instead of the top, and <laughs> I think this actually is much more easy to understand. Mm -hmm. um, and it is kind of a... They're going to have to start in March, although they kind of penciled in the... Um, January and February just to see what it would look like um, and we're, so we see that under the topic we had trauma accreditation just now and um, we've approved the quality and risk annual plan uh, over here under quality and performance improvement column um, and then it's going to come back again shows in June um, you see that there's a board of trustees um, along the, what do you call it, horizontal axis there, um, for, and so that some of the quality topics will be scheduled in for actual board meetings along here. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Each month there'll be a board of trustees meeting that, and some of the time it will be Del Vecchio including the uh, True, North, True North metric report in his, um, oh, his CEO, his CEO yeah. report. Uh, sometimes it will be some another topic. Um, Quality. Good. Yeah. Right. So the qual so, so this is the first six months is kind of we've got uh, some ideas. The second 
We don't have that. Yeah, there, there, there should be a second page, shouldn't there? Um, the second six months is we don't have as many of the topics uh, right. suggested. Right, but we'll build a... So, one of the things I want to ask you is, do you have topics uh, that you would like to hear from? I was particularly interested in having Greg come and do this trauma report today. I thought you all needed to know mm -hmm. about it, and I think it's an interesting thing, and it really, as you point out, is a huge part of our uh, image. Persona, right. Yeah, our right, image. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and are there other things that, you're, that you would be interested in that would be kind of under the quality agenda, um, quality risk, et cetera? So what are Mini and uh, Ishwari doing? Is that that is that what they are doing? That kind of leadership uh, relates to patient safety, quality, overall thing. Would that be something that would be helpful to, like six months down the line, here at the QPSC, or would that be for the full board? What the, what, the what you, you have that program? You mean pop health? Yeah. Or population health. Mm -hmm. Where well, we ha we have. Uh, you know, we have a CAO of population health, and then they will present probably their plan and vision at the later so stage. Is that what they are yeah. doing? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have that person? This meeting, I went to just oh, yeah, we do. to connect with, uh, we with uh, Dr. Mentu Davis uh, as a CMO, and just I haven't met him. And then during the conversation, I learned about his programs, like uh, their food outreach program, mm -hmm. all this program in terms of community outreach. So we, we, we can, once, you know, the population health CAO is on board, we will talk more about that. Are you asking about what you'd like to hear? Yeah, that I was, was just my saying thing was one, that what, what might be well, some I, topics. Because, because I'm like a dog with a bone here, I'd like to hear the progress on peer review mm -hmm. and where we are with, with that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that would be okay. a closed close session. session. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we, well, I'm not interested in what people have been reviewing. I'd like to hear the progress on the overall, which I think is an absolute open session, how okay. far people have come along in terms of the agreements that they have made and the criteria using peer review. And so, you know, I, I recognize that each hospital is going to be a little bit different. I've accepted that fact. But I really want to know whether or not we are, in fact, performing a a peer review process that is um, similar in nature from hospital to hospital so that as a board member I can clearly say that the work that's done at Alameda and San Leandro is every bit as as a level of quality that might be here and vice versa. So um, about the process. Yeah, okay. we yeah. could definitely talk about the process and structure. Okay. In general and way. how close we are to uniformity. And yeah, with Midas, we've had some changes in the last six months. So, I understand that we are now sharing information about frequent utilizers of our ED through the EDI system. Yeah. And I'd like to know how that's impacting our understanding of population health issues. Um, if there are frequent utilizers of the ED and we're sharing that information across all the EDs in our county, um, how is that helping us improve services to them or help identify what they need in the community to avoid coming to the ED? I also, we have issues around, we haven't heard a report yet about some of the progress on the homeless and the grant that we put together, and I know they're still looking for a board member and they haven't had one yet. So I think there there are some issues around the homeless that would be good for us to get an update on. I have another topic. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the ambulatory assessment that was done, mm -hmm. you know, what were the findings from that and how is the redesign happening? Again, that we would love to hear part of that. I would also say that, you know, I, I, I worked with Del Vecchio last week um, 
looking forward to our retreat at the end of April. And one of the things that I would like to see as uh, as chair, board chair, is to get a, a uniform calendar mm -hmm. so that these topics are not just relative to QPSC, but that we can have an overall calendar look. And I would love to do an 18-month calendar as opposed to a year calendar. But to look at the processes that go on so that a board member who might be interested, who doesn't participate at this, uh, in this committee, may be interested to hear about the homeless, and we know when it's going to go on and where it's going to be, that they can go. The same thing with people in the community who may want to hear a report. They don't have to keep looking at the agenda every, every month to see whether or not their interest is appearing, but they know that we are going to be talking about budget development or trauma center, whatever the topic has to be in a given period of time. So uh, that would be my desire to organize us as a board with these, these huge topics so that in part because I hear the board members raising these issues over and over again and they never seem to get addressed. Not it's because you guys are busy and I'm not casting aspersions in any, any round. You've got a whole lot. But once we can decide collectively as a board what are those top priorities, it prevents then individual board members saying, I'd like to hear this, I'd like to hear that, just as I have said, I'd like to hear the homeless, etc. when I don't know whether or not any of my fellow board members want to. So you're then responding to individual board members as opposed to the body. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I would like to go into the retreat trying to get a collective view from the body of the kinds of reports that we would like to see so in fact they're raised to a level that doesn't allow, doesn't create um, busyness on the part of individuals to meet um, a board member, a specific board member's interest, but rather the body's interest. Does that make sense to you, mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So something that looks like this but has all the committees yes. and all the board meetings mm -hmm. and yes. big, about Absolutely. this big. Well, it might well, be that it might big, be. but I think that's I don't know that it would be that big. I mean, we don't have that many committees, and this is the only one that really deals with just, like, delivery yes. health. I mean, you know, finances about finances. Yes. But, but it's not, it, it's pretty much, I mean, it's not always in public. So we have a very yeah. few people who, who attend. And so right. I'm interested in, in the public dynamic because I do think that we can, we can improve and augment an already good hospital reputation by by having some of these conversations done in public. I agree. If I could, you took most of my topics, by the way, that I was going to add. All of you did, yes. I, I don't want to be on the end again. Similarly, <laughs> <laughs> if you know, as Chief of Staff, if there are things that you feel from your constituents to your staff that you'd like to bring to the board too, like let's put them on the agenda here so that, you know, those mm -hmm. things is bi-directional. Well, actually, you all have your opportunities in the full board meetings, but if you notice, yeah. um, on the in the open QPSC starting mm -hmm. next month, in fact, we have it on here, but we didn't do it because it wasn't on the agenda, um, Chief of Staff reports on in the open session on anything that mm -hmm. seems to be a quality topic that your particular medical staffs are concerned about or worried about or working on or mm -hmm. making progress on or whatever. So I think that's a new... Yes. That's an ad. Yeah. Because I think it is, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Well, we did. Yeah, there there are those. There are a couple of little provisions in the. Um, in no, the, the new policy, document. Yeah, that says that say things like staff have to go through the CEO to be able to speak to individual board members or to, to go and the, some of the members of the medical staff asked me about those those 
little Good statements. Right. Those provisions were, were, were written to discourage individual employees for coming to the board trustees. I just want to make sure that some members of medical staff, I just want to make sure that that, the ability for the medical staff to speak to the board about quality issues or whatever just like was laid out in that previous session is codified somewhere. I, I think it probably is. I mean, yeah, well, yeah I, I don't know specifically what you're referring to. You know, there is a section of the uh, the new policies and procedures, you know, which outlines, you know, how complaints from staff should be addressed by the trustees because those are their policies and procedures. But that's all it does. It just gives them guidance on what to do if they're approached directly uh, by an employee uh, as far as it goes. And, I mean, there's... Um, you know, nothing that I can recall in there that you know either restricts or makes it improper you know for someone to engage in the public comment this committee is designated for medical staff issues to be raised with the board and none of that has changed so I think one reason why a majority of the board sits on this committee also is that we are really eager to have that interface with the medical um, you know to have that clinical uh, governance um, partnership in some ways and to have information too, so I hope you take advantage of that. Yeah. Right. I mean, you all are non-voting, but you are members of this committee, so... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it sort of feels like it's it's inherent in the process. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to make a statement at the board meeting because I, I received an anonymous letter and... I can't um, hear you. I received an anonymous letter, and I'm going to make, I'm going to talk about it at the board meeting, but what, uh, what I can't, I can't exercise due diligence and do appropriate follow-through when I can't ask clarifying questions. And so anonymous letters, whether they come from employees or medical staff or whatever, uh, I can't do anything about those. And, and so I want to, when you ask that question about about the ability to, to raise concerns with a board member. Uh, I think that's absolutely perfectly legitimate, but it ought not to be done in anonymity. Of course. So, thank you. Getting back to the calendar, if I could just say that anything where the, the subject matter can inform, again, our, our, our interaction with the county, like you mentioned uh, Dr. Montu Davis, so I don't know if I heard that right. Are we go, going to have public health come and present on population health with us? Was that was that? No, Dr. I don't think no. That wasn't no. part of your statement. No, but it wasn't part of oh, okay. But I really think the relationship between Alameda Health System and the public health department in regard to population health and some of the initiatives that they have is critical because they are looking to interface with the public wherever they can and we have the public such a huge percentage of them coming to us as as you know throughout throughout the county that i really think we need to strengthen that and anything this board can do to help foster that relationship through this committee i think would be really significant and to an, to another extent uh, when you mentioned the frequent utilization and the homeless which are often the same people you know our behavioral health efforts um, and, and other county departments, such as social services and HCD, that try to provide that, that other support. I just think, you know, the more we can have presentations that can inform that and help us to forge those relationships, I think uh, it gives us more usefulness. I think. Coordinate the efforts. Yeah. I mean, it's great for us to be well informed, but it's even better when we're informed on actions and directions that need to be taken that involve our, our broader partners. And so... Um, any any opportunities for that? I think we should really um, like like the senior injury prevention that we just heard about from Dr. Vicarino. Uh, yeah. Um, so we can say that this is great mm -hmm. and okay. just Thank keep you. building on you it. Mm -hmm. I think. Is there anything mm -hmm. else we want to? No. Okay. No. Um, we could plug some of these into the the vacancies in right. the upcoming and months, and then of course things will come up. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, all righty. I think does the open issues blog. I think it was on here, but I it's not in the packet, so I'm going to skip that item and um, go to legal counsel. Yes. Yeah, so in closed session, the uh, committee approved the credentialing report from each of the medical staffs and took no other action. All right. Are there any requests for public comment? 
Vanessa? No? All right. So we are adjourned. Thank you for coming. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>